Welcome to the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. It's our weekly list of five things you should know about, and I'm your host, Sarah Rupel. The day has finally arrived, the day that I get a brand new purple iPhone in my hot little hands, and I am so excited about that. Definitely plan on reporting back on it in next week's episode. But this week, well, there's a lot to talk about, some Apple-related and some not. Number one, flu season is approaching, so that means flu shots are coming. And along with those flu shots, let's talk about the updated COVID-19 booster shots. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention officially recommended the updated boosters, which, quote, add Omicron BA4 and BA5 spike protein components to the current vaccine composition, helping to restore protection that has waned since previous vaccination by targeting variants that are more transmissible and immune-evading, end quote. On Monday this week, the Department for Health and Human Services confirmed that the updated boosters would be available at no cost, quote, for as long as the federal government continues purchasing and distributing these COVID-19 vaccines, end quote. So there's no cost for those with Medicare, Medicaid, Children's Health Insurance Program, or CHIP coverage private insurance coverage, or no health insurance coverage. Everyone is able to get the updated booster free of charge under the conditions outlined. So again, while the government is buying and distributing the vaccines. There are two options for the boosters, one from Pfizer and one from Moderna, and there are differences as far as who can get what. The updated Moderna booster is authorized for individuals age 18 and older, so adults only, 18+. Plus. And then the Pfizer-BioNTech booster has been authorized for individuals age 12 and older. You are eligible to receive the updated boosters as long as you are two months out from your primary vaccination, regardless of how many boosters you've gotten. We will have the link to both the HHS and CMS releases in our notes. Something to keep in mind as you're meeting with clients during this AEP that yes, those vaccines are still free of charge. Number two, on Tuesday this week, the Consumer Price Index report for August was released. Inflation is still running hot with consumer prices up 8.3% compared to August of 2021. And while this number is high and is higher than what was predicted for the month, it wasn't off by a huge amount. Expert economists had predicted an 8.1% increase to the CPI, so the official numbers came in at 0.2% higher. I like to try to find the silver lining in news, especially news like this. That is difficult sometimes. But there were some good things in those numbers when you look at specific categories. Overall energy commodities prices are decreasing. Gasoline and fuel specifically had some large percent decreases in August compared to July. Gas prices were down 10.6% in August, while fuel oil prices were down 5.9%. That gave us a nice 10.1% decrease in energy commodities. 
Now, when you take the numbers from August and compare them to last August, however, well, we're not seeing a decrease there yet. We probably won't for some time. But at least we've got one area that is cooling off from month to month, right? Next Tuesday and Wednesday mark another Fed meeting, and we will likely see another interest rate hike as a result of those August CPI numbers. And then we are just one month away from the final month of CPI data that is used to calculate what the Social Security cost of living increase will be for 2023. Lots of updates coming in the next couple of weeks, so make sure you're following along with us so you can stay up to date and then keep your clients up to date as well. Number three, I've found that articles on productivity tips or tricks, well, they can be hit or miss. There's either something there or a whole lot of what I've heard before. So imagine my surprise when I discovered a productivity hack that I had not heard of before. Well, when that happened, I knew I had to include it in this week's episode. I've mentioned before that I am one of those slay the dragon people. I front load my day because I'm a morning person. That is naturally when I have the most energy. I want to take care of the most difficult or energy-consuming task first and work my way down from there. But there are some days when I need to be an all-day person and just get a lot of stuff done. That is where the 3-2-1 rule can help. And interestingly enough, when I went to look this one up, there are multiple 3-2-1 rules. I am talking about the one posted by The Work Life. You start the day by identifying three things that you have to get done that day. Next up, identify two things that you'd like to get done if you have the time. Last, choose a task to wind down with at the end of the day. As I said, I have never heard of this particular productivity rule, and I think it would be helpful if you're like me and tend to maybe overthink what you can get done in a day. This seems to be a way to keep a better balance going in my mind between what I want to get done, what I think I can get done, and what I can actually get done in a day. So in addition to this hack being new to me, I had also never heard of the work life prior to reading about them in a blog post and then looking up the 321 productivity tip myself, which led me to their YouTube and then their website. They create productivity and self-improvement content. They've got quite a bit of it. So if you like digging into productivity tips, trying different things out, we will be linking to their 321 productivity video in the notes, as well as a blog article on ways to fill up all of those empty notebooks you've got just piling up around your house. And if that's just a me thing, let's all pretend that I did not just say that, okay? Number four, on Monday this week, Apple released their newest operating system for the Apple Watch, Watch OS 9. And of course, I had to download it immediately and try it out. I have to admit, I didn't remember a lot of the Watch OS updates that were mentioned back in spring of this year. And I wasn't paying much attention to them in last week's event either, probably because I was a bit hyper-focused on that purple iPhone. 
So I was a little surprised when I updated my watch and the modular face I normally use on my watch featured noticeably bigger complications. Apple seems to finally be taking advantage of all the real estate on the display with this update, and I should probably note again for posterity's sake that I have an Apple Watch Series 4, which I believe is the oldest series that was able to update to Watch OS 9, meaning that I'm probably going to need to upgrade soon. In addition to the updates to the modular watch face, Apple released a few other new faces, Metropolitan, Lunar, Playtime, Astronomy, and Portraits. So there are now several new options to choose from and some new colors to customize those faces. The sleep data on the Apple Watch has gotten a decent upgrade too. Now you can see how much time you spend in the various sleep stages rather than just the difference between awake and asleep. The watch can detect time spent in REM sleep, core sleep, and deep sleep in addition to when you're awake. And that's pretty neat to look at that data in a bit more detail. I can compare my REM sleep to the amount of dreams I had or see if my cats really did wake me up every hour, on the hour, singing the song of their people and pouncing on invisible enemies. Lastly, there's a medication tracking app that was added to WatchOS 9, and I think it's such a good idea, as simple as it seems, because it is so easy to get out of a routine and forget to take regular medication. And it's just as easy to want to keep up with medicine while you're sick and completely forget when you took your last dose. I can see a few different use cases for myself and for others who are taking medication that's a little more serious than just an ibuprofen or Claritin. So that's my list of what I have experienced since updating my Apple Watch to WatchOS 9 on Monday. Now that brings us to number five. iOS 16 also came out on Monday this week, and I was eagerly awaiting the download when it came out. The first feature I checked out, lock screen customization. Over time, there will be more widgets available to add to lock screens, I'm sure. I kept it simple with what's available right now, so weather conditions, temperature, and my activity rings. Current conditions is probably my most used complication on my Apple Watch. I tap my watch while it's charging to get that quick condition readout of the current temperature and the high for the day, rather than having to lift my phone, swipe to unlock, and then look at the weather app. Now, back in the pre-pandemic days, I would habitually check the weather in the morning while I drank my tea before I even got ready. But somewhere during the pandemic and not leaving the house as much, I fell out of that habit. So in its place, that quick glance at my watch, and now a very quick tap on my phone. Second thing, updating my wallpaper, which is kind of stressful for me if I'm being honest. I had the weather wallpaper for a hot second, but then I decided I wanted something a little more unique. I prefer a coordinated lock screen and home screen wallpaper, but I don't want the same image on both, so that is always a challenge. 
And then there are other things that I'm pretty sure are just particular to my taste that make the task a bit more complex. But I spruced up my wallpapers and I even changed the font for the clock on the lock screen. Second on my list of features, and this is more something that you don't see, the change in notification style. Those little banners are now down at the bottom of the screen in a neat little stack that you can scroll through rather than having the whole list fill up the entire lock screen. They call this the stack feature, but there's also a count feature that will show a numbered count of notifications or a list feature, which is the way that the notifications used to populate the screen. I like that the stack feature allows for some negative space on the lock screen. I'm not as overwhelmed by the sense that I've got to do something with those notifications as I was when they went on and on down the screen. Next up, playing a podcast or any kind of music really has become a better experience on the lock screen too. The podcast logo or music cover art is now much bigger, as are the controls, making a much more user-friendly experience, and it looks great in person. I had seen the screenshots, but nothing really compares to seeing it in person. And then last but not least, the Magic iOS 16 cutout tool for photos. This is probably the most fun that I have had editing in a long time. The tool is so good. You press and hold. Apple detects an object in the foreground and expertly removes the background, creating a custom sticker that you can then use and stick it in a message, transfer it to a different background. It's very simple. You copy the cutout and you paste it where you want it, and then you can send it to a friend. It is so easy, and like I said, I've been having a lot of fun using it. But that is all we have for this week's episode. I hope you have a great weekend. I will be testing the limits of the camera on my new phone, so look for those on Instagram. I will be sure to post some of them there this weekend. Other than that, stay healthy and stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao.